Well, it's good to see you tonight. I see some new faces this evening. My guess is some of you have come because of what you saw last Sunday night. Some of you, through those that got baptized, those whose lives were touched and changed, that something about what you heard, what you saw, something in your own heart is stirring. And, and I believe tonight for very real uh, a tangible sense of God's peace has been here, but he's, he's gonna, he wants to visit in salvation. There's people here where you're, as it were, right on the edge and you need to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm sorry, you usually don't say that until the end. I understand that, but I don't mess around. Amen. You don't have to wait till the end of something before you surrender. Don't wait till the end of your life to give it to Jesus. Do it at the beginning. Why? What a life to live finding life in him. But tonight, I'm just going to say to you that if, if, if the reality of who Jesus is, he, he is the Son of God, full stop. He is the Son of God. He's been the Son of God from eternity past, and he put skin on his face. He came to the planet, and he bled for you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you with a love that can't be measured. He loves you with a love that's so intense that he was willing to bleed and die. Most people who are in the military understand someone having your back. Jesus has your back and he gave his in your stead. And he gave his life to bleed and die. Because there was no way for you or for me to be forgiven. There was no way that you and I could be made right with God. By the works of our own works, the works of the flesh, nobody's made right with God. If that was possible, then the Jews had it. But God said, no, that isn't enough. Righteousness of law, that doesn't make it. Only Jesus has a righteousness, an acceptance that he can give you, the same acceptance that he has. He can give it to you as a gift. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. He is the Lord of glory. He is the only Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the... No one comes to the Father except through me, he said. So make your way. Come to him. So let's just pray as we begin. We're going to open up the scriptures. We're going to look at this. And, and as we do, I just, I'm, going to, I'm going to call those of you who are like right there. Then just tell Jesus, I want to follow you. Tell him now. Don't wait to the end. Tell him now. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to make you right. Ask him to secure heaven, not just there, but in your heart. Stop fighting him. Stop running your own direction. Stop pretending. Jesus, I put my trust in you alone. And if you'll humble yourself and call upon him, he'll never turn you away. So let's just pray. Let's just pray together. Let's pray out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you died for me. I believe you're risen from the dead. Save me. I'm a sinner. I need your cleansing. I need your life. I need you to rescue me. Forgive me and make me accepted. I put my trust in you. I'm not going to fight with you. I surrender to you. Be Lord of me. I give my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the strength to follow you. I thank you for hearing me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we just pray tonight that you would so seal your work, you'd make it so clear. Lord, that those that are questioning, do I belong, is what Jesus did enough, Lord, that tonight will be the final night. The questions won't even be there anymore. They'll know that they know that they know. Lord, they'll know your voice, your reassurance. They'll know grace, Lord, that enabling power that you give to transform. Lord, that acceptance that you give is a gift. Lord, may they know what it means to be clean and to be right with God tonight. And Lord, thank you for doing all the work on our behalf. Help us now to have ears that hear and hearts that are responsive. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace. Peace. We, we, sang, we sing, sing songs at Christmas time. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. We don't see much peace, do you? Do you? You look at the news, you look at five minutes, you're like, dude, I don't want to watch this anymore. It's horrendous. You're seeing it all over the world. Almost every nation rising against nation, at wars, rumors of wars. These are things Jesus said was coming. But you know what he said about his people? He said, you'll have peace. You'll have my peace because he gives his kind of peace. Not like the world has. Their peace kind of goes up and down. It's always conditional. Whether the contract is there, whether the, whether the, 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 the governments are meeting and they can sign all their little things that they sign. Hopefully it'll remain more than a day. But the peace the world gives never remains. But there's a peace that passes all understanding. And it guards your heart and your mind because you're in Christ Jesus. I remember a story. I've said it before. I just felt it as we were in worship tonight to share it with you. But, but um, my, my daughter Ruth, I, I remember when I had gone to this big, uh, this big meeting. And um, there were 70,000 men in a football stadium. You talk about singing. That was amazing. All these guys singing out, praising Jesus. And uh, you had the, the worship leader. He kept saying this phrase, um, God is good. And then all the guys would respond all the time. God is good. A banter. First time I'd ever heard anything like that. I was a young man at the time. I'd only been a Christian a, a year and a half, maybe, maybe two years at most. Never been in a meeting like that before. It was absolutely amazing. God is good all the time. God is good. Oh, what a weekend that was. I got home. I, I don't know. I got home like two o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, and went to, tried to go to sleep, got up for church. But I was buzzing. I was buzzing. And, uh, and then Monday comes, and I had a little, little baby girl. I had one a boy, Nathaniel, and a baby girl named Ruth. And it was a four-month checkup that day, and gone into the hospital, to the doctor, and they, they do all these checks on him. And there's something that wasn't right. She wasn't growing the way she was supposed to be. She's, she was getting sick a bit more than what she should be. People kept saying something's wrong. A little bit blue, maybe. She goes into the doctor, and the doctor then looks at her, and in a short, short period of time, she's rushed over to intensive care because she's in cardiac failure. She was born with a heart defect and nobody picked it up until then. And because of it, the oxygen or the blood going to her lungs and coming back from her lungs was, was mixing so her oxygen level was low. So her heart was trying to beat extra hard to get more oxygen to her body. Every time she'd eat, I didn't realize how much her stomach uses oxygen to digest your food and it wasn't able so she'd bring it up. 
I remember getting the phone call and beginning to cry out to the Lord even then. Then I remember it's a scene that's locked into my head. I remember sitting there on Wednesday and sitting in a, it was like a big room and there were all these beds, like six of them, I think, and they were on this post and all these monitors and sitting right in front of the one with Ruth in there, little, little tiny dinky thing. And this huge bed, the monitors, you know, they beep and they do all their things. And I had some posts that I got from the, from the organization that had sent it. Saying, remember what God said to you on the weekend. And remember that the devil might come in and try to have a go at you. So just be on your guard. And I'm sitting there on the chair and it's a darkened room looking at my daughter, this big bed, and she's dying. They're pumping her full of something called digoxin to try to get her heart to beat hard enough to get enough oxygen to the rest of her body. But because her heart's been beating so hard, now it's getting bigger. It's not supposed to. Your heart's not supposed to enlarge like that. And as I'm reading this, I look up and I think, this is crazy. And as, as I did that, I heard, I, heard, I heard this phrase. I heard it. Is God good now? Didn't know where it came from. Was it the devil? Was it mine? Was it God? Is that what I heard? I'm telling you what I heard. Is God good now? See, sometimes in our situations, we can be in the weekend, so to speak, and like, man, God is good. All the time, God is good. When everything seems to be okay. Can I say to you, most of that's just perception anyway. My daughter Ruth had that, that problem when she was born, but I was oblivious to it. So it was really just a perception issue for one. But we, we, we think as long as everything's going smooth, then God's good. And when we think everything's going smooth and it's smooth sailing, then, then I can be at peace. How many of you know that life doesn't work that way? If you've lived any longer than probably 10 years, you know that life can be rough. Some of you, it got rough for you long before 10 years came along. Is God good now? And I remember as I sat there and looked at my daughter, I, I'm just like, well, I just God give grace. I, I, I said, Lord, I said, you're good. You don't change. He never changes. The wind, the wind, the weather does, but he doesn't. Men do, but he doesn't. His promises don't shift because he's the God that backs up everything he says. And so I, I said, Lord, I said, I, I, I don't understand what you're doing. I said, but you're good, you don't change. And I'll trust you. I'm telling you at that moment, there was a, there was a rush in my own heart, in my spirit, in my inner being of, of peace. And even it was like a joy. And, and, and as it rushed through me, I was like, I was at really peace. And over the, the next days, and she's going to have to have surgery, and there's all sorts that's going to happen over the next month. At one point, she dies. At one point, they, they pull all the tubes out, and uh, the, her, she begins to bleed into the pericardial sac around her heart, and all the, the fluid in there begins to crush her heart, and, 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 now, and, and, and her heart stops beating. I, I, 
I'm in the room when that happens and her face goes white or blue. The, the, The doctor, she turns white. She looks at me, she goes, we need help. When the doctor looks at you and says you need help, hello, you're the expert, you're the professional. But I know a different professional. And I began to pray. I called a friend of mine. He was based in Wales at the time. So it was like middle of the night kind of thing for him. I called him up. I said, you need to pray for Ruth. He says, I'm already awake. The Lord woke me up. I'm already praying for her. Why? Because God is. And God raised her up. He worked such a miracle in that room that even the nurses were like, this was a miracle. And these were unbelievers. People who don't believe in that kind of stuff. But there was a peace. During that whole season, I had a peace. There was, in fact, I say it was almost joy. And I thought I snapped. I thought, well, uh, I think I've lost it. Maybe a bit manic. Maybe the hormones are out of, out of whack. And I went to my pastor and I said, pastor, I said, help me here because I'm, I should be falling apart really. I know because I should be feeling really bad. I should be feeling like, like overwhelmed. I should be feeling... Uh, maybe depressed. I should be, you know, like everybody else is. I, I should be that way, but I, I'm not. I'm actually at peace. And he took me to a passage in a book called Philippians, chapter 4. And it says in there, there's a peace that passes all understanding. I mean, it's beyond your thinking. And and it guards your heart, your emotions, and your mental bits in Christ Jesus. It means the garrison. It's like he sets up a military garrison around your heart and mind and says, uh-uh, you keep out. We got him. Imagine being guarded by peace like that in the midst of chaos. The chaos doesn't go away. And you know what struck me about it is that I thought that other people might look at my life and think, well, how can you be at peace? I didn't realize there'd be times that I'd look at me and go, I don't know how I have peace. It's not something you try, it's not a mental thing where you're trying to work it up and trying to be, it's not like meditating, trying to do that kind of stuff to, to bring in good thoughts or good vibes. This is the work of God in the life of a believer. Can I just take you to the book of Philippians? That church began, Paul writes to them and it begins in in Acts 16. And I'm just going to take us there because in the text, there's three lives, actually four, but three lives that are really transformed by the power of Jesus. I don't know if yours is transformed yet tonight, but I know it can be. I know it for myself. He transformed me but I know your life can be changed. And uh, we're just going to start reading. So if you have a Bible, open it. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen behind me. And we're just going to pick up the reading from Acts chapter 16. I think we'll pick up from verse 6 because it just kind of shows you how this guy, Apostle Paul, the, he's, he's a preacher of the gospel. He's an apostle. He's sent out by Jesus. So he's taking this message of Jesus dying, being buried and risen from the dead. And he's taking it and he's preaching it everywhere he goes. He wants to do this. And somehow in the midst of just that simple message, just that simple message in the power of God, people's lives are changed. 
through the simplicity of the message preached, God saves those who believe. So in verse six, it says, now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, that's kind of Northern Tur- or kind of Turkey in that kind of above, if you know where Israel is, kind of up that area. And it's, it's in Turkey, which we know now Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to, pre- to preach the word in Asia. So if you're going up and Turkey's up here, you're kind of headed up that way. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't turn right. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and now here you go, and, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia. So you're heading towards over towards Europe now, that, that area now, and he has this vision in the night. Come over to Macedonia and help us. It said in the vision. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to, to them. It's interesting. Paul's out. Now, he has to walk in peace. Peace is what governs the life of someone who follows Jesus. Peace is to umpire your heart. You know what an umpire is, right? No. All right. Um, it's like a referee. So when the football's being played, and you know how some of the guys, they're tricky. I know that. They're tricky playing football, right? And, and, and the, the ball gets really close to the line, and, and you're looking at it. Is it out or is it in? Is it inbounds or out of bounds? Now, did it go in the net, or is it just kind of, and it was defended? Well, a referee or an umpire is one who makes the decision. They tell you this is in or out. God's peace in the heart of someone who follows Jesus is an umpire that says no and yes. That's out of bounds. Don't go that way. See, some of you have done things in your heart and well, you've done things and in your heart you know you ought not. Your conscience tells you that peace, there's just like, and you're, and you're like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. You suffer the consequences of it. Some of us do it so, some of us have done it so harshly that we've even caused our conscience to become hardened. So it doesn't bother you to do that evil thing that you once thought were bothered by. Oh, you need freedom from that. And only Jesus can give you a sensitized conscience again. And that's something you don't want to violate. But when you follow Jesus, his peace by his spirit reigns. And he says, don't go that way, go this way. So Paul, here he is. He's like, uh, how does he know he can't go to Asia? Well, the peace isn't there. We can't go down over this direction either. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't let us. Well, Lord, we can't go that way. We can't go this. Which way are we supposed to go now? So what does God do? Speaks to him in the night with a vision. An extraordinary indicator. Go this way. You know what Paul didn't do? He didn't get upset because a door closed. He didn't go, well, fine, I'm going home then. What? Because sometimes I want to do something and the Holy Spirit says, no. God says, don't. God says, I don't want you going that way. You're like, well, what, what is that for? 
Do you think he's smarter than you? Do you think he knows the future and you don't? Duh. Do you think he knows the best course of action to take? Then what are you arguing about? I was over at my son's house for a little while this afternoon and we were in the process of ordering some lunch. Good old KFC. And one of the little ones come in and says, I want some um, crisps. And my son goes, no, you need to wait. She gets upset. And I pause, hang on a second now. Why are you upset? Well, I wanted crisps. I said, well, do you realize that dad's ordering lunch? Do you think he loves you? Yeah. Do you think he knows what's good for you? Yeah. Well, do you think he's caring for you in this? Yeah. Does it always change the attitude? No. <laughs> because sometimes we just want what we want. But see, that's where the Lordship of Jesus comes in, where you say, no, I, I, but you're Lord. I'm not. I surrender. Yeah? And uh, sometimes kids and adults don't act much different. And we get quite upset when we, someone says what? No. Or you have to. Like, who do you think you are telling me I have to? All right. Well, the apostle Paul, praise God, he's, he's a man of God. He's one who's following Jesus. He has this vision. He goes. He doesn't get upset because that door's closed or that door's closed. He doesn't give up and go home. He doesn't have a mental breakdown. He waits on the Lord and the Lord speaks to him. And now he goes, verse 11, it says, Therefore, sailing from Troas, where he ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Nopolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out, to, um, out of the city to the riverside where what? Prayer was customarily made. Now, I just want to say, in a lot of cities, there were, there were synagogues where the Bible would have been read. The Old Testament would have been read. This wasn't one of them. So there wasn't a normal place to go to church, you could say. There wasn't a place. So everyone gathered down by the river to pray. So however many that was, we're not told. And so Paul starts there. He goes down with everyone to spend some time in prayer. And as he does this amazing thing, as his prayer was customarily made, we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were what? baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So the first life changed. So they go down to pray. What is she? She's a businesswoman and she's a foreigner. She's not, she's not somebody who was naturally from Philippi. She was an immigrant. She was a businesswoman, probably a good head on her shoulders. Anyone have their own business here? We don't have any business people here. I know some of you do. No? Well, how many of you work for yourself then? Let me put it that way. I know. What do you, Elvis, I know. You can raise your hand over there. I know. The thing is, is that people who are business, they're not taken in by scams too easily, are they? See, if you're in business, you have to know your stuff. Otherwise, someone will take advantage of you. 
I don't think she was a fool. Also, she's coming from outside the situation. And when you've been an outsider, you normally keep your guard up. When you don't fit the group and you feel like you're hanging out with people who aren't your people, you have your guard up. How did her heart get opened? Here it is, this guy she's never met before is coming and proclaiming things she's never heard before. And it seems in a very short period of time, she says, yeah, not only for her, but for her entire household. What causes someone to make that kind of commitment? It's in the text. If you read it, it's, it's, it the secret's there. Was it her intellect? No. Was it her background? She was a worshiper of God, but this is different now. It actually says in the text that the Lord opened her heart. Oh, if you take that on board, that's amazing. Because some of you have been downright hurt. Some of you find it difficult to trust anybody. Some of you are like, you've got your guard up 24-7 and you're afraid if anyone could see how you really are inside, by gosh, there's, there's rejection complete. But can I say to you, God is powerful enough to open your heart. He's willing, willing enough to help you and open your heart. What if you just asked him? I tell you, you may not be able to trust people, I understand. But the Lord doesn't fail. He's not like a man that lies. He's not like that guy who promised you until death do his part and ran out with somebody else. He's not like the one who, 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 who made promises and took your money and, 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 and people. Even some of you have been involved in the occult and you thought that those spirits would help you and they haven't. They've just tormented you. Even they turned against you, but I'm telling you, Jesus won't. He's good all the way through. He's good. He's powerful all the way through. And so if you find it difficult to trust, why not just ask him? Jesus, will you open my heart? I want to put my trust in you, my whole trust so that I can follow you. And he has the power to open your heart. Isn't that amazing? So here this woman, a businesswoman, a foreigner, an immigrant, and God transforms her life, and not just her life, but the entire family get baptized. That's amazing. I like it when God saves families. I love it. Well, I want just a husband or a wife get saved. Hallelujah. I'm not against that. Or someone else in the family, that's brilliant. But when an entire family gets touched by God, Lord, save more families. <laughs> Amen? Some of you spouses are praying for your other half and saying, Lord, save them. Maybe tonight, that's your day tonight. Maybe tonight you need to stop fighting God and surrender yourself to Jesus and go with your spouse and you, buy, you can go to the house of the Lord together and you can do so with joy, with praise, and with, with that gusto of, of I'm following Jesus as well. Amen? Careful what you pray. This woman named Lydia and her and her household. And what happens is, is that then she tells them, come and stay at my place. 
And she wants to help with the furtherance of the gospel. She does maybe whatever she has, she's willing to share. And now something begins to happen in this city. The city's going to get touched. In fact, it's a long lasting work that happens. And they end up being one to help support Paul throughout the rest of his ministry. It's amazing. In fact, he says, you're the one that's the only guys who really supported me regularly. And so now in verse 16, uh, and now it happened when, as we went to pray that a certain, what is it? All right, so you got a businesswoman, probably a little bit more well-to-do, seller of purple, that's, that's like posh cloth. And, uh, and now you have another side of the thing, which is a what? She doesn't even own herself. She doesn't even own herself. Now, I've heard people say, well, look, there's slavery in the Bible. That means God must believe in it. No, that's stupid. In fact, in, fact, in the law, if you, if you came and kidnapped someone and tried to make them a slave, you were to be put to death. There wasn't no lifetime imprisonment that you get to play on your Xbox. You were put to death. Yes, it's in the Bible. God doesn't advocate it. Be careful of those who twist thoughts like that to try to make people as if God is doing something evil. Sorry, that was just a side thing. But here she is. She's a, she doesn't even own herself. And, and yet she's, she's, there's some stuff going on with her. Look at this. And this, this slave girl, and it says she was what? Possessed, Possessed with a what? Of divination. what's divination? Fortune telling. Fortune telling. Someone tell the future. It doesn't say how she did it, whether she read tarot cards or maybe she did a Ouija board. Been around a long time. Or whether she uh, cast lots of some sort, dice. Or whether she cut the head off a chicken and spread the blood out and put the things in there and the teeth in there to see if she could tell what was going on. Can I say to you something? It says that she was possessed of a what? A spirit that did that. Can I say to you? It wasn't her natural ability. She wasn't born with it as an ability that she's just one that's able to do that kind of stuff. It wasn't just a mental thing either where she's kind of read people and try to figure out what their future might be. It tells you that this is a real what? I tell you, it didn't come from God. Prophecy is different. See, what's the difference? It's the source. It's the source. See, when God's speaking about your life and he's speaking things into your life, because it's him that you go back and worship. It's him that you praise. It's him that you follow. He's your creator. He's your maker. I don't need another kind of spirit other than the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, to fill my life. I don't need another spirit to try to give me help. If you're a follower of Jesus, that stuff is off limits, illegal in the kingdom. It'll mess with your head. It'll mess with your life. It'll leave you traumatized. It'll steal from you. It'll kill. It'll destroy. Yep. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. You can't mess with both. If you try messing with both, you'll make both sides mad. I just, I'm, I'm finding myself during this last, this last season, I'm repeating that again and again because it's real. If you try to play with a spirit and try to mess with a real one, not, not somebody who's hoaxing you, not somebody who's just trying to make a couple of bucks off you. I'm talking about the reality here. And you're messing with spirits like that and, and you go for Jesus, boy, you'll make them mad. 
They'll rush through your house. Things will start flying around. The doors will start opening up and closing. I'm not kidding. That stuff's real. Some of you know it's happened in your house, but you're like, if I tell anyone, they'll think I'm crazy. You're not crazy. It is real. And the thing is, if you start messing with that one and you start playing with Jesus, that thing's going to get mad. I tell you, if you say you belong to Jesus and you're still messing with that, guess who else you're going to make mad? The Bible tells me he's a jealous God. He doesn't, he doesn't have an open marriage. Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to minister to you so that I can present you like a chaste virgin to Christ. So that you become his wife, that you become the marriage, marriage supper of the lamb the Bible speaks of. This relationship between you and Jesus. Not anything sexually weird, but this intimacy that goes deeper than the physical to the very spirit, his spirit living in you. So you can't mess around with both. Choose this day in whom you'll serve. If it's God and he's God, then serve him. It's a ball and serve him. But why do you hover between two places? Why do you play games? Listen, Mary can't help you. I was reading some article online this week and it said that Mary's divine and she can help forgive your sin. Mary cannot help forgive your sin. She is not divine. It's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Mary. It's Father, Son, and three in, that's God. Mary is not divine. She can't help you. For, she, can't, she can't bring forgiveness for you. There's only one who died and rose again from the dead, and he's the one that gives forgiveness. Why would you pray to anything else? Don't do that. That's called idolatry. Am I making myself clear? Am I making God's word clear? Is actually, it is not my, these aren't my words. I, I got them from his book. So the spirit of divination, listen to what it says. <coughs> The servant girl, she's, she's there in Philippi. And she cries out saying, these are men of the servants of who? The most high God who proclaimed to us the way of... That's not bad, is it? Is she saying anything wrong? Not at all. Can I say this? The devil knows who Jesus is. <laughs> yeah. In fact, when they saw him, they said, are you here to torment us before the time? The devil knows who Jesus is. The devil knows who God is. He sees him face to face, but you know, there's no repentance in him. He's not going to heaven. You know that. The devil's not getting to heaven. There is no salvation for him. God sent Jesus as man to redeem men, human beings. Angels don't get in. Um... If the devil knows God's real, do you realize that you could have a faith that's demonic? You could know God's real without following. You could even say the right words. Oh, pastor, blah, 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 blah. And you could walk out this door headed for hell just like you did coming in. That spirit enabled her to say stuff that was true but it wasn't her experience. It wasn't something where she had an encounter with Jesus and she knew God is the most high God and she knew what it meant to be forgiven and made clean. Uh, just because someone can use the right words, that doesn't mean they're following Jesus. 
because I've heard people online, they'll say like, oh, I'm a medium, come to me. God's given me this gift. I follow Jesus. And sometimes they even try to, we've had people call up New Hope and said, can we have a seance here? We like to do that. Would you be willing to rent your property? You gotta be kidding me. Just because somebody says that they, they can say some right stuff, that doesn't mean they're followers of Jesus. I'm just going to say this. You might come in here tonight and you're like, you look at all the people around. Um, if you're visiting tonight, you don't know who normally comes here. Be careful where you get your counsel from. Because not everyone sitting in the seats here are following Jesus. You need to know who is and who isn't. And actually the Bible says, by their fruits, you will know them. What kind of life, what kind of faith do they really have? And I'm going to say some of you are here because you've seen people with real fruit. You've seen the life changed and you're like, I want that. I want that. I need that. Well, you're not going to get it from a spirit of divination. By the way, that word divination there in the Greek, it's the word python. You know what a python is? It's a snake. That's real. Uh, people get wrapped up in it, literally. Those things influence, and then when they get exposed, you watch, people will act like a snake. James was sharing last week when he got baptized. And when he was needing prayer, he needed help. And we prayed for, I mean, he was, he was, was the, the one was, um, he was angry as a spirit, and he began to growl at me in the name of Jesus. You had to get out, and he got out. The spirit left, and he was free. But then all of a sudden, he started going like this. And I'm like, ooh, what'd that look like? Looked like a snake to me. And in the spirit, I'm like, yep, that's what that is. So it's either a spirit of divination, a witchcraft, or it's rebellion. Either way, it doesn't matter. It needs to go. And in the name of Jesus, you have to leave. And I command you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come out of him. He's stepping on like a board, eyes rolled back into his head. And in a moment, he was free. He spent years and years like that. That's horrible. To be tormented like that. Are you tormented tonight? The voices? You think you're getting these visions of not coming from God? I'm telling you, tonight there's freedom. You don't have to stay that way. Jesus is the Savior. He is Lord. You know, I grew up with my mom. She was a witch. She still is one. And I grew up, or I thought voices were normal. I thought hiding under my bed because I was afraid I was going to get murdered in the night. As a child, don't be afraid to get under the bed. You don't want to get under the bed. I thought that was normal. I thought the stuff that was going on, the things that would tell me to do bad things, I thought that was just normal. I, like, I, didn't, I had no idea that nobody else suffered like that. Until when he set me free and it was quiet in my own head. To be honest, when that happened, I thought something was wrong. It was too quiet. I was like, what's happened to me? There is a peace that passes all understanding that guards your heart and your mind. Anxiety goes. Anxiety isn't to rule the life of someone who follows Jesus. Peace is, even in the chaos. 
My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So this girl starts following Apostle Paul and the team and starts saying, these are servants of the Most High God. And, and, and it, it sounds right at first, but then something's wrong. It begins to annoy Paul. And he says, and did this for many days. I mean, sometimes when you're doing it and someone says that, you're like, oh, thanks. You know, it just, you know, think, oh, God's in this maybe. And then after a little bit, you're like, something's wrong. That you're saying the right words, but the source is off. And this is what he does. And she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the, said to the spirit, I command you what? In the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And what happened? It came out that very hour. She was free. Think, hallelujah. I like to see people get free. I find joy in that. I really do. I find joy watching the enemy have to flee. I love watching people get free. I love to watch their countenance change. I love to watch peace, joy show up that they've never experienced before. I love it when they're like, it's quiet. And it's like bizarre. It's like they're, and it's just wonderful. I, I watch it. Um, but not everyone's happy when that happens. See, some of you made that confession of faith. Some of you are thinking, I want to I wanna put my trust in Jesus. But you're, you are aware that if you make that step, there's people in your family that aren't going to be happy. You living for them or for him? Can I say this? Um, this may sound counterproductive, but be selfish about it. It's your soul. It's your soul. When you stand before him, it's you and him. It's not you, mom and dad, and my, fan, my friends, my mates, whoever else. Because when this girl got free, her masters got really ticked off. And they ended up calling Paul and the team to getting them publicly reprimanded. And they're saying, listen, they're making us follow customs that we're Romans and we have a different religious system here and we worship all these things. And now because she couldn't make them any more money. I remember hearing a, a group of ladies who uh, felt compelled to go and preach the gospel to an a strip club. So before it opened, a bunch of old ladies <laughs> took a bunch of food into a strip club where the ladies were getting ready and said, can we just come in and talk to them? We got free food for them. Can we just come in and speak? See, some of you would freak out. Whoa, why do they do that? Because the gospel needs to be preached to every single person. And is someone too far gone to be reached? Oh, praise God, because that means it can reach me. And they went in, they had permission. And the, the owner or whatever, I'm not even sure how that works. And they went in and they shared the gospel. And some of those ladies said, I don't want to strip anymore. <laughs> Guess what? Their boss wasn't well pleased. Who's going to fill that shift now? So what? The devil's never happy when he loses someone that's been under his control. 
And when the Bible says that he translates you out of the kingdom, the domain of darkness, and translates you into the kingdom of the son of his love, my goodness, let's make hell mad. (laughs) Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I ask you real quick? Whose side are you on now? Listen, you say, well, I'm kind of in the middle. That's a lie. I'm on the fence. The devil owns the fence. Okay? Don't mess about now. Jesus said, he said it this way, you're either for me or you're against me. You either gather to me or you scatter. So it just makes it simple, doesn't it? He who has the son has life. He who has not the son of God is not life. So which one are you? It doesn't matter what it sounds like to everybody else. It doesn't matter how slick you can be. It doesn't matter, well, I go to New Hope Community Church. Yes, so what? That ain't going to get you into heaven. Jesus is the only one that will get you into heaven. Now you come here, I will preach the gospel to you. guarantee that. But only Jesus can get you in. The Bible says to as many as received him, to them, he gives power to become children of God. To those who believe on his name. They're born of God. They're not born of men or the will of man or by blood. They're born of of God. And he gives them life. Have you received him? If you've not received him, then you're still on this side over there. And I'm, I'm calling you, come out. Come out of darkness. That little girl's life was transformed, but it caused Paul a problem. Because the next thing you know, the whole government, this kind of the whole area, this whole city goes into an uproar. And they says, these men, verse 20, these men being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together um, against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be what? And what did they do? What did they do wrong? They helped some girl who was possessed of a demon and got that demon now. Now the girl is free. Everyone gets ticked off. Next thing you know, everyone's kicking off. That spirit's stirring stuff up. But you know, whenever the enemy goes after something, he always goes too far. You watch what God does. He's amazing. Because God's always like 15 steps ahead of him. Uh, He's more than that. He knows the end from the beginning. They... They beat them with rods, stripped them naked, beat them in rods. And then they, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Hey, let's sign up for ministry. Who wants to be a missionary? No? Naomi went out to Rwanda. She's left today to go out to Rwanda to help preach the gospel with a team with Mission 24. What's going to happen? I don't know. I know she'll preach. She was one that went out when Ukraine, the war first started, and she was out there on the front line preaching the gospel. I remember the day she told me, she said, Dad, I really believe Jesus wants me to go there and preach as they're coming out of, of, of uh, Ukraine into, I think it was Poland, to stand there and to preach the gospel. I really feel like you, and I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. I need to know this is you. Jesus told me, he spoke to me about it, and so she went. 
And I said, Naomi, listen, I, I want you just to stay on the border. I don't want you to go into Ukraine. And I knew it was coming. And I get a phone call early one morning. I was barely awake. And she says, Dad, the Lord's telling me I need to go inside Ukraine. They've invited me on the team to help lead a team to take evangelists in, to preach the gospel to the refugees that have lost everything. What do you do? I said, Naomi, I said, listen, I want you to lock yourself up for, a, for an hour, a couple hours, whatever it is. Don't let anyone else speak to you. You need to hear from heaven about this because that's the only thing that's going to sustain you. See, because there's a release that you do. Some of you as parents, I'm telling you, your prayer needs to be, Lord Jesus, I don't care what you do with my children's lives as long as they're following you. You've got to let them go. You have to. Because otherwise you'll be like one of those creepy parents who tries to control their, their children's lives all the time because you don't want them to get hurt. But see, peace, peace, real peace enables you to do this. Because you know that he's the keeper of all things. And I can trust him. I got a phone call a little bit later and she says, Dad, the Lord's spoken to me and she gave me a verse of scripture that the Lord gave to her. And I said, okay, go. I prayed with her over the phone. Now listen, does that mean that she was guaranteed to come back? No. Hmm. Lord, help us. See, sometimes we think following Jesus means everything's gonna go my way. Paul's preaching the gospel. A lady gets saved. This kid, this, this young servant girl, she gets, gets delivered and now he's sitting in prison. He's in stocks. He's been beaten. He's in the inner prison. And guess what? They don't have electric lights. It doesn't work that way. He can't play his Xbox. There's no electricity. He's in there. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to go the way you want. In fact, there will be people who will not like you. Some years ago, I was in Swansea and I was sharing the gospel with a, a guy who was a, um, a Krishna. He followed one of the Hindu gods of, called Krishna. He was a white dude. He was from, actually from Canada. They're the guys in, in town who carry, you know, the little ponytails they got. Usually they wear the hats now so you can't see it. They sell you the incense. Don't buy incense from them. It's worship to their gods when you burn it. Don't do it. You give them money, they'll give you the books and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a way that they try to earn salvation or earn karma, merit. Well, I was in Swansea. I was a bit younger and we were there and shared the gospel with this guy. It turns out his name was Alex St. John. Shared the gospel with him for a while. And finally I said, do you want to follow Jesus? He said, yes. I was, I was shocked. I was. It was amazing. Because he lives in a commune with other guys like that. And he's got this bag full of money and some of the literature. He says, here, let me give this to my friends and I'll follow you. I'm like, I was studying in Bible college in Swansea. I'm like, follow me. Dude, I don't know. We've got to find somewhere to, for him to stay. So we walk. I sent the guys ahead. Get the car because I don't think his mates are going to be too happy about this. So we're walking down the Kingsway in Swansea. 
And we were standing on the corner right across in that big Baptist church, about Pleasant, I think it is. It's over there. We're standing there. And I get one guy coming this way, and I got another one coming this way. Now, when I was at Bible college, I did a lot of fasting. I was a little bit skinnier then than I am now, right? Didn't have the muscles. I know. I keep telling my wife I look like um, Aquaman. <laughs> Listen, I, whenever I get it, never mind. I'm not going down that road any further. <laughs> And I'm standing on the corner. Well, this guy comes up to me. He's bigger than I am and bigger than I am. And he gets right in my face. And he said, we'd kill for Krishna. What? This is Swansea, dude. What are you on about? Killing for your deity. He was serious. Put my hands in my pockets. I looked him in the face. And I said, Jesus still has the victory. He does what he wants. If Jesus lets him, okay, I'm just going to go home. There's a place prepared for me, and I'll go and be there with him. But you got to get through my Jesus first. Oh, he was mad. He was chanting there on the thing. You know what was weird? About a week, two weeks before, we would do evangelism out on the streets of Swansea. And it was about five o'clock on one of the afternoons. I was standing on that corner and the Lord told me, kneel right there, kneel and pray. I'm like, kneel and pray? Here? In front of everybody? Oh, for real. And you, you know how it is inside. You argue. And, well, maybe some people don't. I did. Finally, I went down on one knee. I one kneed it. And he's, it was no peace. I had to get down on both knees. And I start to pray. I'm just, I'm trying. I'm very conscious about everyone walking by me. I'm trying to pray. And then a police officer, well, two things happen. A police officer comes and puts his hand on my shoulder. says, everything okay, son? I'm like, yeah, I'm praying, officer. <laughs> I'm dying inside. I am. I'm just being honest. And it starts to sprinkle a little bit. I'm just like, oh. You know what corner that battle was taking place on? That same corner. Man, it's just weird sometimes how these things work together. But sometimes they'll get in your face. And there can be a threat. What are you going to do? They'll tell you, your mates will say, if you don't shut up, man, we're going to smack you. We'll throw a a blanket party. You know what that is, yeah? Throw a blanket on you and your mates punch on you. What are you going to do? Can I say this to you? Jesus obeyed the Father absolutely. And he was put to death for it. So he says, you want to follow me? You take up your cross and deny yourself daily. Come and follow. See, there's a seriousness about that. But see, I'm going to follow him all the way home. Death, death isn't coming for me. Jesus is. Death is not the Lord of me. Jesus is. And death itself will be cast into the lake of fire that day. And it'll be no more. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Jesus is risen from the dead. And he beat him with both hands nailed behind his back. That's the one I follow. And he walked out of his tomb. So will I. To whom do you belong? Because sometimes people aren't happy. But you know what it says about Paul? Let me, got to speed up here. 
Verse 25, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and what? It doesn't say complaining. Doesn't it say complaining? Doesn't it say, oh, why is this happening to me? Oh, this is so unfair. Isn't that what it says? Does it say he was crying? So it says, well, God, I'm following you. Certainly you should do better to me than this. Is that what it says? What were they doing? Praying and what? Singing, they're praising God. Singing hymns, it says, to who? To God. Can I say this to you? Just a side note, because some of you are going through, we'll go through, guaranteed. If you haven't already gone through it, you're going to go through it again. Have you gotten done with it? You got another one coming, don't worry. You will go through difficulties. Jesus said you will have tribulation. You will. Okay, let me just, when you're going through it, I have to tell you when you're not going through it, because when you're going through it, the only thing you can do is see what you feel. Because that's the biggest thing right now. I understand. And sometimes when we're in that situation, it's, it's hard to get through. I understand. But this needs to be heard, especially when you're not going through it, so that when it happens, not if, when, your eyes have to look up above the situation you're in. And you have to see who's on the throne. No matter what the devil wants to do. No matter what he's exercising, no matter how many people he's got against you. No matter if an army, Dave said, I don't care if an army comes against me because, Lord, you're with me. You're on my side. He says in Psalm 91, though 10,000 fall at my right hand, it will not come near my house. There's something about it that in your innermost being, that when you're going through it, that you lift your eyes and you start declaring praise. Lord, I trust you. Lord, you're good. You don't change. I don't care what I'm seeing at the moment. Lord, I trust you. You're good. You don't change. Lord, you're on the throne. I trust in you because you're able in every situation to aid me, to help me internally. Lord, you can open prison doors. That's not hard for you. But Lord, I put my trust in you. Lord, you're the one that I worship. You died for me. You rose again from the dead. Lord, I trust in you. And you can do that with that declaration of your own mouth and heart. And what will happen? It's like a funnel. It's like a funnel. When you put your arms up like this, he starts pouring grace out. He starts pouring peace out. He starts pouring joy out. He starts enabling you to do with something which is not natural. It's not natural for the human being, but it's supernatural because now I'm not just a human being. I'm a child of the most high. I belong to the God of heaven. And his power, his work in my life enables me to do what I cannot do with myself. So you're not talking, this isn't religion. This is a relationship with the eternal one. And by his spirit, he comes to live in you. You become a different category person. You're born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the dead. You become different. Anyone who's in Christ becomes a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You become children of God. How many things do you think God's afraid of? Walk in his steps. Jesus is known as the serpent crusher. Oh, I want to put my feet where he puts his. Over every work of the enemy. Are you hearing me? 
See, there was a peace that Paul knew that enabled him naked, in pain. He didn't have paracetamols. In pain. Had done nothing wrong. And yet somehow he's rejoicing. Boy, that's got to be God. So you've got this situation where now him and Silas, they're praying and praising God and everyone else is listening to them. Uh, Maybe Paul was a good singer. I, I don't know. Notice verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately what happens? All the doors opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You can almost see it. Hey, riot! We're out of here! No, that isn't what happens. He said, sir, you know when the presence of God is there, you could be in prison and have all the doors open. You don't want to move. <laughs> I've seen it here when we've been in worship at times and, and God's touching your life. I've seen it where a service has gone on four hours, five hours. When it's over, nobody wants to leave. It's incredible. The chicken's burning in the oven at home. Your house is on fire. I don't know, but you're like, I don't want to leave. There's joy. There's peace in his presence. It's like some of you came in and in the worship, you, you, maybe you haven't known that before, but, but tonight God was touching and you're like, I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying tell you why you're crying. The Holy Spirit's working in your heart and he doesn't have time to explain it to your brain. (laughs) He just wants to start helping you so that he can open your heart so that you can receive the message of the gospel. Isn't it amazing? He's so good. Nobody ran out. Nobody moved. The Philippian jailer comes in and all he sees is the gates opened. I don't know if everyone was quiet. Maybe they stopped singing like, what's happened? The keeper of the prison, it says, in everyone's chains, not just, you know what's amazing? It wasn't just Paul's chains that came off. Oh, there's a word there. Do you know that when you worship God and praise him in your difficulty, not only are you free, do you know what it'll do for other people? In the process of you walking in what God's given to you, families can be set free. Other people around you can have their chains removed because you know him or you can introduce them to him too and they can be free. That's amazing. But nobody moved. The jailer comes in and suddenly there was a great earthquake. All their chains were loose. Next verse. It says, and the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, suppose the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to what? So now you've got a suicide government official. See, in Rome, if you lost a prisoner, it was life for life. And he didn't want to get, on, he didn't want to get crucified in Rome. You don't want to get crucified in Rome. So he says, I'll do it myself. It becomes suicidal. Now, who put Paul and Silas in prison? Who locked them in the inner, in their inner jail? Well, yeah, but who was in charge of the jail? This guy. Who put them because of the command that was given? He's the one that put them in the stocks and put them in the most inner space. He did it. You could almost think, Paul might think, 
Well, good on you, man. Get your own back, man. What goes around comes around, you know. But he doesn't. Notice what he says. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, what? Do yourself no harm. Don't hurt yourself. Why? Because we're all here. There was mercy. It is, it's amazing because he was so at peace, Paul was, and Silas was so at peace. They're not like, they're not looking to get back at anybody. See, some of you, someone bumps you in the street, you're ready to fight. That's not the peace of God. Some of you, like, your wife says something, your husband says something, well, you're ready to, like, oh, let him have it. No. That's not the peace of God. Boy, the peace of God has a way to tame that tongue of yours. Even yours. You've got a rough one. You got one to cut people left, right, and center. You're good at it too. But the peace of God touches that tongue. It'll become a tongue of healing for people. It'll be a tongue, a tongue of peace, of kindness will be its law. Well, let me finish up here. Do yourself no harm. For we are all here. He called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he, when he brought them out, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice this. Jesus, or the, Paul says this about the Lord Jesus. He said, So they said, Believe on the what? On the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your. Boy, he's after households here. The lady's household, now this guy's household. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you might, could be, hope so. What's the word say? What's the word say? You see, your faith isn't in me, it's in him. It's in the word. What does the word say? You will be saved. You will not find a guarantee in any other religion. You will not find it with any other guru. You'll not find it with any other prophet. You'll not find it anywhere else. Only in Jesus. He says you will be saved. Why? Heaven's his home. He lets in who he wants to let in. Are you one that's come to him so that you could, like a door, right? He's the door. And I enter into through him. Saved. This Philippian jailer is like being told, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your... Now, it doesn't mean that because he believes that automatically everyone says, but this is for you and your... So if they believe too, they also will be saved. That's not just for you. So everybody needed to come to faith, but Paul preaches the gospel to them. He shares Jesus with them in verse 32. It says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to what? All who were in the house, in his house. And he took them that same hour and night and washed their stripes. And immediately him and his family, what? Well, there's a lot of that going on in there. They believed and they were baptized. You believe and then you're, let me say that again. That was your cue, Right? I believe and then I'm, okay. 
At baptism, that's like a public confession. Jesus, I'm following you full stop. No turning back. I identify with you. I identify with your people. Identify with your church. Thank you for dying for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. And I don't want to live my old life no more, Jesus. I want to live the life you have for me. Whatever comes. Whatever comes. I want to follow you. Say, well, I was baptized as a child. So what? The Bible says, believe and be. Not get baptized as a child and then believe. It says, believe and then be baptized. You say, well, uh, we don't believe in baptism. Well, then it's Jesus that you don't believe. And I'd encourage you to trust in him. Believe and be baptized. Say, was it baptized that saves us? No, Jesus saves you. Baptism is a public confession of what he's done. It's public identification with him. It's real. It's important. Now, I've met people who said that they were Christian. They got baptized, and they weren't really Christian. They were trying to be one. You know the difference? Some people try to be a Christian. Don't try to be a Christian. Just be one. Let him make you one. That makes more sense, doesn't it? So don't, don't, so say, well, uh, and, and then they come a point, they really come to faith. I know that I know him and I'm known by him. Say, but I was baptized before. I thought I was Christian. And what should you do? Believe and be. This foreigner who is a businesswoman gets her life transformed and her family gets touched. The servant girl is totally released and she's transformed. She gets to go to bed now and it's quiet in her head. And now a government official, the Roman guard, the prison authority, his life gets changed and his whole family gets changed. The thing is that they later find out Paul was Roman and they shouldn't have treated him that way. The magistrates of the city want to get him out quiet-like because they don't want any publicity. And Paul's like, "Uh uh-uh. You did it to me publicly, you're going to walk me out of the city publicly. Why did he do that? Because he just wanted to be on display? No. He was trying to make sure that those people that now were following Jesus weren't treated badly because they had listened to what Paul had preached. You know, the guy who went to prison. But now he's honored publicly by the magistrates. And so it puts these guys on a better footing. That church grew and grew and grew. Oh, these three lives and their households transformed. I don't know. Some of you are with people, you know it. You've seen the guys that got baptized last week. You've seen the change in them. I mean, how many times did I hear Tim's name mentioned last week? Hey, Tim, I'm coming because of Tim. I said, Tim, Tim said this. And da, 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 da. I'm like, well, Tim, you want my job. Take it. <laughs> you're, you're on your way. Don't, it's time, but you're on your way. You'll have your opportunity. Absolutely. And that is prophetic. And the thing is, the thing is, is that you've seen their lives shift. And you're listening. And you're wondering, is this for me too? 
Someone who's, she's a religious woman who's a, who's a, who she's a, a seller of purple. She didn't deny God, but she needed Jesus. Someone who's in the demonic and she's like as far as ways you can really want to count. Doesn't even own herself. And she's set free. And you got this guy who's a Roman official. He's, he's up there in the, the world's eyes. He's got a good job. He's secure. Got a good family. He's got the house. He's got the, you know, he can do whatever he wants kind of thing. And, but without Jesus, none of that matters. And he surrenders his life to Jesus. I wonder tonight, can you see your life in any one of those? Even in part? And if you can tonight, as their lives were changed, can I say to you, so can yours right now. I wonder if you're ready to confess Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready? I can see it, the struggle. As I'm saying these words, that, that tightness of your chest and that, that what should I, shouldn't I. Listen, if you confess Christ publicly, he says he'll do the same thing for you in front of the angels, in front of his father, in front of all. So you can't do this in no secret kind of way. So tonight I'm wondering if you're going to say yes to him. And I'm going to put you on the spot. If that's you, I want you to stand up now. Anyone else? I know there's more here. Don't, don't mess about. Just stand up. Just stand up. I'm going to lead you in prayer. Are you going to stand or are you going to sit there on your backside? Well then. Listen. Tonight heaven rejoices. Tonight heaven rejoices. Tonight heaven rejoices. And so we're going to pray together with them. We're going to stand with them. Amen. Amen. Heaven's, heaven is coming to touch lives tonight and to save these and to make them his very own. And so I want you guys to pray with me. I want everyone's going to pray. We're going to pray this out loud together. Amen. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for me. I believe you died for me. You gave everything for me. Your blood makes me clean. You wash me and cleanse me and you make me new. I believe you're risen from the dead. You've conquered Satan. You've conquered death and you give life and immortality. Lord, I trust in you. Be my master. Be my Lord. I want to follow you with my whole heart. Have my life. Make me yours. In Jesus' name. Fill me with your spirit and help me to follow you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Amen. Listen up. Believe and be. What? Believe and be. Listen, you need to follow him. Now, I know what can happen. You might walk out those doors. I'm never going back to that place again. <laughs> that would be stupid. Uh, if you don't want to come here, that's fine. You go find a church then where they'll preach the gospel to you. Amen. But my trust is you really want to follow Jesus. So Thursday night, guess where you need to be? 
Right here. Guess where you need to be? Right here. Guess where you need to be? Guess where you need to be? Right here. Because we'll go through some of those basics. You can ask all the questions you want. I have no issues. Ask all the questions you want. I'll do my best to answer what I understand and we'll pray about the rest, okay? But tonight, things change. Now, I'm telling you, some of you in my spirit just came into my heart that there's some of you who watched and you're like, oh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I should have. Listen, when we start singing now, and you need to come up and you want to make that stand. You come up and we want to pray. Those of you who stood, we want to pray with you up front. Okay? Yeah, God is good. All the time, God is good. Amen.